Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. All right, hey, take your Bibles today, turn to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. We're almost through with Elijah, almost through, working our way through this series, Prophet of Fire, Man of Despair. Uh, so we're, we've been looking at the life of Elijah. Now, he lived, you know, about 900 years, you know, before, uh, uh, before Jesus came, and uh, he married, uh, or he, he uh, Elijah lived during the, the reign of one of the worst kings ever in the Bible. Over here, what's his name? No, you cheated. It was over here. They, they were blank, all right? All right, and he told them there was going to be a drought, and it was going to last. What about this? How long? Oh, they were quiet over here. All right, all right. This section right here. All right, you ready? You ready? Said to the widow, said to Elijah, go to a widow, and she's only got two little items. What are they? All right, all right, all right, all right, that's good, that's good. The widow's son died right over here, right over here. Widow's son died. How many times did Elijah pray before the resurrection? Three. Got it over here. Heard a wrong answer somewhere, but that's all right. That's all right. All right, all right. Then there was a, the drought had ended, but before he did, Elijah had to pray it through. How many times did he have to pray it through? Austin, you got it. You got it. All right. I'm pretty pleased. That's, that's good. That's good. So they, they had the, the drought ended after three and a half years, and uh, the very end, we talked about it last week, Elijah uh, had the the prophets of Baal, they were, they were killed, and we're just going to kind of follow that today. 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 19, this is right in the aftermath of, of that. It says, now, <clears throat> Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had, had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that one of them. Okay? That is her reaction once she found out that the prophets of Baal had been killed. Now, Jezebel was mentioned a couple of chapters before, and now she's back in this, uh, kind of takes a central role in the story. So just a, a, a few quick facts about Jezebel, just kind of bring you up, up to date. So Jezebel was the daughter of Ethbaal, king of Sidon. So Sidon was a neighboring country. Man, it was the, it, it was the, uh, the hotbed of Baal worship. It's where it was kind of the, the foundational country. It was all exported from there, Sidon. Her 
father was the king. He was so into Baal worship that his name even reflected that. It was called Eth Baal. So uh, that's a little her background. Jezebel promoted the worship of false gods in Israel, harassed and killed God's prophets. So when she comes to the scene as the wife of Ahab, she does not come in casually with Baal worship. She comes in very aggressively. And then Jezebel required the installation of a temple, an altar for Baal, which was built in Samaria. So there was this whole religious system of, of temples that was instituted by the, by the wishes of, of Jezebel. So so we see her, and we'll talk about her more in just a moment, but I just want to mention, because it just got my attention, like this marriage, this marriage to Ahab. I mean, this was like one of the most strange relationships. It's one of the most dysfunctional relationships. I mean, from the very beginning, foundationally, man, this is a, a very strange, uh, very restra- uh, strange relationship. Number one, she married... What the Bible says is one of the most evil people in the world, okay? You know, I mean, the, he, he, was, he already had that reputation, but that didn't bother her. That didn't bother her family, you know, his track record, you know. So she married the most evil person in the world. She came from a Baal-worshipping family, you know, so that didn't seem to bother him. I mean, it was probably... You know, some kind of arranged marriage as well. She's the daughter of of the king over here, and he's the king of Israel. And from the very beginning, man, this thing is just a mess from the from the very beginning of that. So people have all kinds of thoughts when it comes to marriage. And if you're a young adult, I just want to take a moment. I just want to talk to you just for a moment. We'll move on just just uh, uh, about marriage. Now, let me say, you know, to some of you. To some of you, it won't be sexual immorality that gets you in a wrong relationship or it takes you down spiritually. To some of you, the problem's going to be loneliness. You see, we, we, we see everybody on TV and they always date. They've always got somebody to date. As soon as they break up with one, they go to the next. And I just want you to know that's a fantasy land. That is not true life, Okay. And then you may look around in your life and you're getting a little bit older and you see other people in your life that may be dating or you have friends that are are getting married and then all of a sudden you feel kind of this social pressure because there doesn't seem to be anyone in your life right now or no one on the horizon and this is where young people of faith find themselves in trouble. They cannot handle the season of solitude that God gives them. There's just time in your life when there's nobody there. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It's just a time for you and the Lord. He's preparing your heart. So when the right person walks in, you'll be, you know, you'll be, you'll be ready for them. And some people can't handle that. And that's where they get in trouble. They start making compromises. They make poor choices in that moment. They go, hey, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna get married. I'm never gonna date. I've never had this or that. And they start to kind of lower their standards in that moment and they make very poor choices. So to some of you, it won't be sexual immorality that brings you down. It would be that you You cannot uh, uh, handle the season of solitude that's on your life. If there's no one there in your life, it's okay. It's okay. You just enjoy life where you got it. 
I mean, you just enjoy your freedom. You enjoy your flexibility. Because let me just say, one day marriage is coming, and all that fun's over with. Let me just say that. That I do, I mean, it changes a lot of things. Now, I'm not saying about that me personally. I'm just saying generally. Very generally, okay? So just, just want just to say that. Some people can't handle that season of solitude. And they lower... They lower their standards. And if there's nobody there, that's okay. Because if you believe that God's in control of your life, He'll bring the right person at the right time. So you just, it's okay. It's okay. Just a couple of things to remember when choosing a spouse. Find someone that loves Jesus. You knew I was going to say that, right? But I changed that sentence because I used to say, you know, make sure that they're in church. All right? But because they're in church doesn't mean they love Jesus. All right? And I used to say, you know, make sure that you have the same theological beliefs. But because they believe the same as you doesn't mean they love Jesus the same. So you make sure they love Jesus. Okay? And then, uh, you know, another thing just real quick. And then look at their long-term plans, dreams, and goals. Okay? If you're not on the same page, I mean, we, the faith component is very important, but if you're not on the same page long term, that may not be the right person with you. Just because you find a person of faith that meets that and they, they love Jesus, that doesn't mean that's the person for you. So you got to look a little deeper sometimes and go, hey, where are we headed? What are our life goals, life dreams, aspirations? I know, but a lot of you go, you know, but I'm in love. I'm in love. As though if you're in love with something, then it, some person, then, then that would justify any other kind of issues you may have in your life. And I just want to tell you something. You can't always trust love. All right? Can't always, you can't always trust love. You need, to, you need to find that set. Find someone that loves Jesus. Make sure you're on the page, you know, long term. And then you're on the road to maybe that person being you know, being in your life. So I just want to say, if you're in a season of solitude, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, you just enjoy that moment. And in the right time, if you believe a righteous person's steps are ordered of God, in the right time, that person will surface for God. You'll hit the grand slam home run like my wife did over here. She was patient. Look what she got. Look what she got. All right. Just wanted to hush, hush, hush. I hear a lot of talking after that. I hear a lot of talking. So, <laughs> so she's angry. But, I mean, th that, that's a dysfunctional marriage from the very beginning, okay? But she's angry. She gives that threat against Elijah, okay, that if, man, if it's in within my power by tomorrow, you are dead. That's what she says. Look at verse 3. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he was himself, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am, am I no better than my ancestors? Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Now, one thing you've got to admit, about the Bible, even if you're a skeptic of the Christian faith, the Bible, I mean, it gives you the full picture, good and bad, of the people in the pages, okay? So you've seen him calling down fire, all right? And now you look and see another side 
of his life. So, so he's been through this whole, you know, this whole thing that we talked about. And now, man, now uh, he's got this, this threat, these death threats on him. And let's look from this passage, let's look at, you know, some of the things that he is walking through. And maybe, maybe it will resonate with you this morning. So Elijah experiences fear, anger, threats, and confrontation. Wow. I mean, he just seems to crumble once she says those things after all that he's seen, all that he's all that he's been through. She this this woman says that one thing, just I'm I'm coming after you and fear and anger and all of that fear of confrontation. Man, it just it just seems to overtake him. And, and let me just say something. Those kind of things, for whatever reason, can get in your head and they can get in your heart, okay? Now, listen, he, he's been through a lot. I get it. He's living under a death threat. He's got an international warrant out for his arrest. He's broke. He's living, you know, meal to meal in a, in a drought situation. And then, but, but here's a guy... Man, he's seen the hand of God from the very beginning. He's he spoke a word for God. He's seen the provision of God on multiple occasions. He's seen the fire of God. And then all of a sudden, man, just this one sentence, it just kind of wipes him out. He crumbles. He's walking through fear, anger, threats, confrontation. Look at something else. He withdraws from others, all right? He walks, when he, when he hears this, he goes a day's journey to Beersheba. And then once he gets to Beersheba, he, he leaves his servant at Beersheba. And he goes deep in the wilderness all by himself. Okay, he just le- leaves, everyone, leaves everyone behind, separates himself from any encouragement, any support that he might have had with, with his servant. For some reason... It's human nature, for some reason, that when you go through your lowest point, you don't want anyone around. I don't understand that, you know. You know, loneliness is one thing, but isolation is when you go, no, I don't want anybody else around. And there are times that we're going through our lowest moments and we isolate ourselves. We don't want anybody around for whatever reason. I just want to say to you, Listen, there are, there are times that you don't need to be by yourself. There are times you don't need to be alone. You need, you need the prayer partner. You need someone that can encourage, someone that can pray. You need to hear the testimony of other people. You need the, the, the faith perspective from someone else. You need that in your life. We tend to isolate when we go through hard times, and you don't need to do that. You need to bring in a prayer partner that can stand with you and pray with you and, and, and breathe faith in your life. He goes in this wilderness. He goes one day with the servant, then he goes deep in the wilderness all by himself. Do you know that sometimes our, your problems get, get worse when you're alone? They magnify themselves. He's experienced a, a season of prolonged stress. Hey, I mean, this has been three and a half years. I get it. I mean, he's been walking it's been, it's been a while. It hasn't been a week. It hasn't been a month. It's been a long time. 
Kendra, when she was five, she came home from kindergarten. I said, how was your day? She said, Dad, I'm stress-strated. I'm like, what? I mean, number one, what's going on in the life of a five-year-old? Number two, what is stress-strated? So I figured it was a combination of stress and frustration. Anybody ever been stress-strated before? <laughs> hey, three and a half years, he's been there. Some of you know, when you live under stress for a prolonged period of time, man, it gets you. We're not created to live under uh, enormous stress for long periods of time. Everybody kind of gets it short term. It just happens through life. But man, here's a guy, three and a half years, man, he's been, he's been under the gun. And we see stress that occurs in our life sometimes from money or jobs or relationships, unexpected medical diagnosis, work-life balance is out of, out of control, and we find ourselves under long-term, prolonged stress that's not good for us. And now this situation has caused hopelessness, depression, even thoughts of suicide. Now look at the two prayers that he prays. The last prayer that he prayed was for God's fire to come down on the altar. Now I want you to look at this prayer. He came to the broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. Am I no better than my ancestors? Two prayers, back-to-back, completely different when it comes to faith and perspective. Prolonged stress can work in your life. Hopelessness, it can work depression, and even thoughts of suicide. Can I just talk about depression for a moment this morning? Can I... Just say it's no respecter of person. You got money, doesn't matter. You may not have money. Depression's no respecter of person. You come out of a good family, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Depression can find itself, you know, in your heart, in your mind, regardless of background, education, even spiritual life. It can find itself to your door, in, in your heart. All right. Do real Christians struggle with depression? Yes. Yes. See, there's a couple of couple of kinds of depression. See, what one kind is like clinical, chemical, that your doctor says, hey, you got some issues here. Here's some medication that can help you. And then there's the other that's kind of environmental. All right. That's, I mean, you're just going through so much, and man, it just seems, it just seems like you can't cope with what's going on in your life anymore. Can real Christians struggle with depression? I want to say yes, because we're seeing an example of it right here in Elijah, who's just removed a couple of weeks from seeing God's hand and seeing God's fire on Mount Carmel. All right? Sometimes, you know, we, we just say, you know, uh, hey, just pray a little more, read your Bible a little more. Sometimes our, our answers are a little 
naive and, and simplistic, all right? Hey, but I just, I, I want you to know, I just want you to know this morning that if you're, you're going through this season, it's okay. You know, it's okay. You don't have to hide. You don't have to hide from the church. You don't have to be embarrassed about walking through this. I just want to take the mask off this a little bit. You know, if you're struggling with depression, it's okay to tell someone or have someone pray for you. You don't have to hide that or keep that as though the church world would be disappointed in you because I want to tell you we're not. We are your prayer partner. We are the one that can speak life and faith and hope and health until the day that, you know, that you feel better in your heart. You feel a touch from the Lord, but you don't have to hide from it here. His, his depression, his discouragement got, you know, got so deep that even twice in that passage, it mentioned that he wanted to die. It wanted to, he wanted to take his life because the unfortunate picture is that suicide is connected with depression. 90% of all suicides are connected with mental illness, but most of that is depression. Most of that is depression. Okay, We saw, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, you saw this pastor, Jared Wilson. You saw it on the news. Heartbreaking young pastor, Young family, works on the staff with Greg Laurie, who I really admire at Harvest Church in Riverside, California. He had acknowledged even his issue with depression. He had created a, a foundation called Anthem of Hope for those who are walking through that, that, same, that same thing. And then in a moment, whatever, I don't, I don't judge that moment, he ended his life. So I, I want to. I just want to say to you. I want to say to you today. I want to say to you. If you're struggling with that. You don't feel like you have to keep that to yourself. I want to say again. Don't feel like you know. We, sometimes in the church, or or it has been the in the past, we viewed mental illness differently than physical illness. And I just want to say to you, if you're struggling with that, it's okay. It's okay. We love you. We love you. I I want to. I want to know not to be in your life, but I just want to grab your hand and journey with that. There may be some other people that you just need to speak and go, hey, I just want to, I, you know, I just need some prayer. So I just want you to know you don't have to hide. You don't have to be ashamed. You know, most of it's, it's not a, you know, it's not a spiritual deficiency in your life somewhere. Here is a great man of God who is praying to die, okay? So I just want to say you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to be that way, all right? And the last thing that we see him kind of walk through in this session or this this is is self-pity. It's self-pity, all right? Am I not better than my ancestors? Cuz he knew the ancestors were bad. They're bad. What what's what's going on here? Am I not better than these you know the, the these folks? Now, while we love self-pity, okay? It's not your friend. It's not your friend. And if you're not careful, self-pity can work itself into this whole component of when you're kind of walking through these, 
issues. Self-pity will make a victim out of you. Self-pity will exaggerate the circumstances to you. Self-pity will make you feel like, you know, you have, you have been treated unfairly. Okay? So he's walking through a lot. That, that one sentence from Jezebel, man, it just sent him, it just sent him spiraling Today, and if you're facing that, whatever you're walking through today, I just want to give you an encouragement. Psalms 39 says, But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. It says, Now, Lord, I'm not sure what the plan of rescue is. I don't know what the way of escape is. I'm not sure how you're going to resolve this for my good. But I want you to know this, Lord. My hope is in you. My hope is in you. Whatever you're going through today, whatever you're facing, I want you to put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. I promise you, He will walk with you through this season. He'll never leave you, never forsake you, and He's going to bring you through out on the other side. I promise you that. I promise you that. My hope is in the Lord. My hope is in the Lord. So He's going through all this. He goes to sleep. Keep reading verse 5. All at once the angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals, a jar of water, and he ate and drank, and then he laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up. He ate, he drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled for 40 days until he reached Horeb. Uh, and then he went into a cave and spent the night. All right? So look at the instructions. So listen, he's on the back end of going through some very difficult times. And we can just see a little something here that might speak to us this morning. Look at the instruction from the angel. Rest and eat. Rest and eat. Okay? Sometimes when your life's like going, you know, out of, you know, out of, out of kilter and we don't know what's happening in our life, we always feel like we've got to be doing something. We don't want to be lazy, so we always feel like we've got to be working on some kind of resolution to the problem. And I want you to know the instruction from the angel was don't do anything, rest and eat. Listen to me. Because when you're going through prolonged periods of stress and you're going through depression and those kind of things, do you know health and life balance are very important? They're very important. Now, you may not think that's very spiritual from the angel, okay? You might not think it's very complicated, but, but he says, look, you need, to, you need to rest. You need to eat. You need to take care of yourself in the midst of this. Can I say... Exhaustion and fatigue will not help you with clear thinking and decision making, right? I mean, when you're going through, you know, a difficult time, you need strength and mental clarity. And sometimes we are making, 
We are making decisions when we are exhausted and tired and we're not doing well, you know, or physically we're not, you know, we're not doing well. And when we do that, we don't process information like we normally do. And sometimes we make decisions not because it's the right decision, just because it's the easiest and we're making it from a very tired place. We're not finding the right position. We're finding the right answer. We're finding the easiest answer because we're exhausted, okay? So here's what he says. Rest. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. If I ever thought I'd get an amen out of this congregation, it would thought it would be on that. He says rest. Some of you don't sleep. You worry. Your body's exhausted. You're trying to Find an answer for something. You're so tired, you can't even hear from the Lord. So exhausted, he says, rest. Elijah sleeps, he gets up, and the angel says, go back. Go back to sleep. Take a nap. Make sure you're honoring the Sabbath with your body, which is a day. Man, you are unplugged. And let me say, unplugged from your work. This, this will keep you plugged in and exhausted all the time. The Sabbath is a time that you, you rest your body and you rest your mind. Okay? Rest and sleep. That's what he said. That was the answer, part of the answer for him, rest and sleep. And then he said, eat. Eat something. Eat something. All right? That's, and he had hot bread. On the, on the coals ready for him. So that's part of the answer this morning is rest and eat. So like, what's your favorite meal? You know, Becky was sick this past week and she was feeling better. I said, all right, so what are you, what are you hungry for? I don't care. No, like, what are you craving? So sometimes your, your body just feels depleted and you just, need to, you just need to eat something that you like. And it's good for you. It may have fat in it, but it's good for you. Up here. Up here is good for you. So what's your favorite meal? So if you're going through something, you pick your favorite meal. You call me. We'll go together. We'll eat for God's glory. Unless it's sushi, then you're on your own. All fish should be deep fried and in tartar sauce. I think it's in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> Mark chapter 6. Jesus and the disciples are ministering. And Jesus noticed that they're not eating. And he said, stop what you're doing. Pull away. And let's go find a place to rest. What? In the midst of all that's going, all the ministry opportunities... Because you realize you can only go on for so long if you're not eating right and you're sleeping right. Listen, it will affect your, your spiritual strength for what you're able to do. He said, pull away, pull away. The psalmist said, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. Don't do anything. Don't move. Don't try to help me. Don't worry. Just be still. I'm going to take care of everything. You just rest. You just eat. Just take care of yourself. Can I just say, it's part of, it's part of the, 
the answer that the Lord gives Elijah here. Now let's keep, let's keep going. All right. And the word of the Lord came to him and he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. So the Lord had a different answer for Elijah. He said, go stand outside because the Lord is about to pass by. The Lord's about to pass by. Go, get out of your cave. He had been in a cave. Get out of your cave. I don't even have time to preach that one, but that's a good one right there. Get out of your cave. He went and stood, and man, here comes the wind. Rocks going everywhere. Man, this is a wind, and I'm sure Elijah is going, hey, the Lord is in this because if you were a Jewish person, wind meant the presence of God. It was wind that blew over the Red Sea over the course of the night and split the Red Sea in half. It was wind that started blowing through the mulberry bushes that gave David the sign of attack. So Elijah said, surely this is God. But it said, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And then he said, while Elijah's there, an earthquake started. And man, I'm sure Elijah goes, this, this is it. Here's the answer somewhere in this for me. Because that had always been a sign of God's presence and God's power. Because when Moses went up on Sinai, the ground trembled in the presence of God. And, and on, on Jericho, man, the ground started to shake and walls fell down. So I'm sure that Elijah's going, hey, this is it. But the scripture said, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then... It said, and then there was a fire. And I'm sure Elijah said, oh, now this is it. Because it was fire at night that gave direction and guidance to the Hebrews. It was the hand of God. And, and also Elijah was a little bit familiar with God's fire as well. He just had a recent experience. But then it said, but the Lord was not in the fire. He was in a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. How do I know and recognize God's voice? Can I just say to you, it's a gentle whisper. I just found over the course of my life that it is a very soft, quiet persistent voice. People ask me, how do I know God's voice? Because you think that the God of thunder, when he speaks, man, it would be a way that would just get your attention. Man, it would just kind of shake you. But I've always found that it's just this very quiet. He calls it a gentle whisper. Gentle whisper. Do you know that's why it's important for you to be in your prayer closet by yourself? To be by yourself because when it's just a gentle whisper to remove all the other noise so that you can hear it. Listen to me. You don't need worship music on all the time. It can be helpful. But he speaks in a gentle whisper and we need to make sure 
that we've reduced all the noise so that we can hear God's voice. Okay? He spoke in a gentle whisper. And when that happened, then the Lord passed by. And Elijah recognized this moment. And it says he takes his coat and he pulls it, you know, it pulls it up over his eyes because he knows this is the moment. This was the God moment that he needed. He was had an experience in a moment with the presence of God. It's like when you are, when you meet with somebody, you're in, you're in their presence. And he knew, he said, the presence of the Lord is going to pass by. And when he did, man, there was just this awesome moment where he realizes that he is on holy ground and he's thinking, maybe, maybe thinking about other times that, man, God's presence has passed by. When, when Moses went up on Sinai, he came down and he glowed. His face glowed because of the presence of God in the temple. When, when Solomon dedicated it, there was a cloud that came in the top of that sanctuary where they could not even worship because they could not even see because of the cloud of glory. In the upper room, God's presence came by, manifested by fire, manifested by wind. I want to tell you this morning, we don't serve a lifeless idol. We don't serve a dead God. We serve the living God who can send His presence by. Can send His presence. We're created for His presence. We are created for His presence. And I just want to say this morning, I'm waiting for the day that the Lord passes by here. I'm waiting for the day that in your own life, God's presence, He just passes by and you know that you've met with God. I want to see a day, man, that there's a cloud of glory in this place that we can't even worship because of God's presence here. Pass on by, Lord. Pass by, Lord. Pass by. Man, if there's ever a day that our nation needed God's presence, it's today. If there was ever a day that we needed the Lord to pass by, it's today. If there was ever a day that the church needed the power and the presence of God and we needed the Lord to pass by, it's today. I say with all of my heart, pass on by, Lord. Pass on by. Pass on by. Pulled his cloak up. God's presence was so strong in that place. It was so strong. Brent worship team, you can come. And then he does something else that I think is important. I'm only going to mention it for a moment. I'll finish it next week. He gives direction to Elijah. He said, then the voice comes. Elijah, what are you doing? He tells him. And it says, then the word of the Lord came to him. And he gave him three things he wanted to do. I'll talk about that next week, but listen to me. He gave him a word from the Lord. Look at him. So he's going through all this stuff. He told him to rest and eat. Take care of yourself. You need strength. You need physical strength. He gave him a moment with the presence of God where it strengthened him. Okay? And then came the word of the Lord. He gave him direction, the next things that he was wanting to do. And I want to 
tell you that, that what a good model for us to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves physically, to make sure that we're in the presence of God. And man, some of you need a word today. Some of you need God to speak. Some of you are looking for direction. Some of you are like, man, there are doors on the horizon. I don't know which way to go. There are no doors on the horizon. I'm not sure what to do. And today you need a word from the Lord. He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. God's not trying to hide His will. God's not trying to hide His plan for you. You'll be patient. You'll be prayerful. If you'll listen to a gentle whisper, He'll give you the right word in the right time. You'll do that. You'll do that. You'll do that. You'll do that. This morning, that word brought guidance and direction for Elijah's next season. Okay? We'll talk about it next week so maybe you're maybe you're here today maybe you're here today and you are walking through a season of stress anxiety fear has you buckling even though you know God's presence and you've seen his hand in the past just that one you know that that thought man it's got you shaking a little bit and we saw that in Elijah's life you've got all this fear and anxiety and I just want to say God's in control God's in control I don't throw a stone at you this morning Elijah was he just crumbled when he heard that maybe you're walking through a prolonged season of stress his was three and a half years he was walking through this that's a long started to crumble a little bit alright that stress opened the door to depression and that depression even opened the door to going hey it's not even worth it it's not even worth it I'm going to end my life okay maybe, you're, maybe that's you this morning maybe that's you discouraged you're down you're down don't have an answer, you're hopeless. You don't see a door on the horizon, and there's this hopelessness that goes with depression and it goes with suicide. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, we want to pray for you today. We want to pray. I, I, don't, I don't know that you'll walk out with every answer that you need, okay? We want to pray over you. We want to pray God's strength and favor over you today. Some of you just need God's presence. That's what He needed. He needed physical restoration. But he needed a moment in God's presence as well. Okay. And then he needed a word from the Lord. What's next? So sometimes health is good. God's presence is good. Sometimes you need the word of God. It's in direction for the next season. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know that you'll walk out with every answer this morning. But I want to tell you, you can take a little step closer to Jesus today. Along your path. Would you stand? Just stand with us this morning. Here is the promise of Jesus this morning. Okay? Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are tired, exhausted, fatigued, prolonged, stressed, stressed. You're worn out. Come to me, all 
You who are tired and have heavy loads, long period of time. He said, here's his promise. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. We'll work out all the details of the other stuff later, but like right now, I'm just going to give you rest. I'm going to hold your hands up. I'm going to be right beside you. I'm going to speak encouragement to you. I will give you rest. Every head bowed. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.